Welcome to Headed Someplace, a show where strong, inspiring, enduring women share their stories with us. I'm Kara, and today I chat with yet another friend from our dear old college days, Natalie Eureta. Natalie is pretty newly married with their first little baby due any day now. She's taught elementary school for the last seven years and just has a pretty crazy story that involves her parents in a tragic accident when she was just 14 years old. I knew Natalie, I knew who she was for, for a good while before I even knew this part of her story involving her parents and actually it wasn't even until talking with her today that I really ever even heard all of it. So this is just a little reminder that we probably have lots of people that we encounter regularly that we have no clue the history or the pain of the things they've been through and experienced unless we ask. So let's do that. Let's get good at asking about people and give them a place to tell their stories. So today sit back, relax, and let's get ready to hear Natalie's. Hey, Natalie. Natalie, Yorita. Mm, I'm Latin now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Wait, is that, did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Guatemalan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not say his last name for like the first like <laughs> few months because it was like, I'm too embarrassed to like ask, but. <laughs> How do you say this? <laughs> okay. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in life. My name is Natalie Urita. I am married to Santi Urita, who Santiago that tricks people. Santiago, yes. Uh huh. We live in Abilene, um, and we are like three weeks out from having our first child. Yes, <laughs> I called you at just the right time. Yeah, barely made it before the baby window started. That's right. <laughs> um, and then I have taught first grade and second grade for the last seven years. And just recently started working at our church as the elementary director. So oh, that's awesome. Actually, yeah. I'm going to be staying home. It's like a part-time thing. There's like eight kids in our elementary ministry on Sundays. Yes. Oh. That's like the perfect season. Yes. It's like just enough time each week to where I'm busy, but not like crazy busy. So yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that's what you were doing. How cool. What a perfect transition and gift to your church. I know. It's I'm so like, fun. I want my kids in your elementary ministry. It's so fun. <laughs> and Santi works here too. So it's like Jim and Pam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not at but- all. <laughs> The Latin version. The Latin version. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to hear, for you to tell the story about y'all. But I do kind of want to go in chronological order. But first, yeah. okay, the first thing I ask every guest is to tell us a random fact about you that not a lot of people know. So what's yours? Well, I actually texted a bunch of friends yesterday asking this, and it kind of turned to like a roast. So... <laughs> Like, these are basically all the weird things about you that we don't like. (laughs) I'm so excited. There were some really good ones. So one of them is that when I was in college, my friend Brooke and I used to go to these estate sales all the time. And we would see these like vintage baby clothes when we're like 19 years old. And we're like, I will literally never be able to get this again. (laughs) So for like the last 10 years, we've been collecting baby clothes. and. So creepy. I know. <laughs> and like hiding them places and not telling anyone. And then eventually it just kind of started to leak out. And then now my child has a full wardrobe <laughs> of really awesome clothes. 
Yeah, they are one of a kind. That's and right. people like do that a lot. They're like, oh, yeah, this is my grandpa's. But the thing about ours is, is like, we don't know these people. <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> but you don't really think about the things like they're all the wrong season. Like yeah, they're the true. wrong gender. They're the, but I tried. <laughs> you tried. Okay. So do you have, do you have any other ones? Um, maybe that my high school homecoming date, my senior year, we went to homecoming together and he thought I was someone else that I wasn't. What? Yeah. What do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean? He thought I went to a really, really big high school. Like I graduated with 1200 people (laughs) and he got me mixed up with another Natalie. Oh no. So while we were like driving to dinner for the dance, he started like talking about how he remembers me walking with my mom and my little sister to school in elementary school. And I was like, that's weird because I've never walked to school and I don't have a little sister. (laughs) I started to like put it all together and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And the reason he thought I was a different Natalie was because that Natalie was my friend and she was going to be like in our group that night. night. So then it had to be confronted like in the moment, like I couldn't just let it like. So what'd you say? I remember the exact quote I said. I don't think I am who you think I am. <laughs> this is so sad. It was the saddest. Did you like, feel rejected right away? Yes, of course. <laughs> like, but mostly in a funny way yeah. because it was totally one of those situations where neither one of us like liked each other. Yeah. We just both needed a homecoming date. Okay, so it was okay. like, Phew. okay, That's like we can one. just go together. It's fine. So, but <laughs> then he was thinking he was with someone else the whole time and I literally spent the whole night like hiding from him after that like really mature like (laughs) at the dance it was like well I'm too embarrassed I'm just gonna like go dance with the other girls That's pretty good. Okay, yeah. so I do want to jump right in. And I I don't always go chronologically, but I just feel like it will be good to like get a background of of where you're yeah. coming from. So, can you take us back to high school when your parents were in an accident and t- tell us like what happened? How did you find out all that? Mm-hmm. So, when I was 14, it was summer in between my 8th grade year and freshman year of high school, my parents, like my dad had just kind of had like a midlife crisis and bought like a fancy motorcycle, like driven cross country to go pick it up. It was like super fancy. Mm-hmm. Well, he got back and um, one night just asked my mom if she wanted to go on a motorcycle ride. And she was like, yeah, sure. So a lot of times when I tell these people, people think my parents like did this all the time. It was super random that this was even a thing, but they just like left us at home because we were older. And then went on a motorcycle ride. And I started to kind of like notice throughout the night something was off, like it was taking too long. And I hadn't heard anything. And it was like had been a few hours. And then I just remember my sister was there with her boyfriend. And I remember them walking outside. And I kind of looked through the window, and I could see a policeman coming up our driveway. And it was like, Oh, no, like I had seen enough movies to know Mm -hmm. that wasn't a good situation. And so he just told my sister, your parents have been in an accident. It's really serious. They've been care flighted and you guys need to follow us to the hospital. Mm. And your sister, is she older? Yes. She's two years older than me. And I have a brother who's five years younger than me. He wasn't home at the time. He had stayed with my aunt and uncle a few towns over. And so he was fine. But so we all got in the car and followed him to the hospital. And I, I remember the whole time, like that 
accident word can be very vague. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember being like, maybe it's just like a broken leg. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Like saying that out loud, like, but something in my spirit knew it was more serious than that. And it was like more wishful thinking. So anyways, basically what had happened was that there was an accident. They didn't know how it happened. It was like two miles from our house. Mm. My dad went forward. And so all of his injuries were in his chest. Um, so like the most important organs in your body. And then my mom's injuries were head injuries, which is like the other spectrum. Right. Terrible. Yes. And so they were both in surgery, I think at the time, I actually can't really remember, but it was like a whirlwind after that of just like everything that we had known. Like we had super normal lives, like we're just a normal, like church going little Baptist family yeah. that kind of talked about Jesus every once in a while when it was like normal and right. Easter and Christmas. Yeah, it was like, whoa. So everything that we had known up until that point just kind of got like flipped on its head. And that was in the summer. And this like was a process that lasted over like six months of um, just like ups and downs and like hospital life and like sleeping on hospital chairs and waiting rooms. And mm. honestly, like our family automatically just kind of like jumped in like they knew like aunts and uncles and grandparents and stuff just jumped right in and started supporting us. But um, yeah. at the time, stuff was really icky. Yeah. So. That means if you're 14, was that a freshman in high school? Uh-huh. It was this summer. So it was right right before I was a freshman. Okay. Did someone come live at your house or did you guys move in with? Yeah. Okay. So this, my aunt and uncle, they were so precious. This is my mom's sister. They had apparently had conversations before any of this had happened. Like if something does happen, like we want you guys to, but this was never, this is the kind of thing you never really think it's going to happen. Right. So it yes. was written nowhere. Like everything was just like word of mouth. Right. And so my aunt and uncle actually, they figured the worst thing that could happen to us at that point was for us to have to switch schools and friends and like everything yeah. get uprooted. And so they actually like uprooted their four little boys out of their school. It was like an hour and a half away from our house and moved into our house with mm, us Wow. to take care of us. So it was amazing the way they like took responsibility for us right away. Yeah. Um, it, the whole time the idea was that my mom probably wasn't going to make it, but my dad was, mm. my dad's injuries could have all been fixed by surgeries. Um, but he couldn't get his vital like signs strong enough to undergo surgery. surgery. Yeah. Okay. And so it was just like riding this wave of like, he's fine. Oh my gosh, he's going to be okay. He was never awake. So neither of them were ever awake again after that accident. They had to have him sedated because he had a tear in his aorta. And if his blood pressure went up, it would bust and he mm. would die. And so he was sedated. And then it took until September. My dad passed away in September. Wow. So it was a long process. So they were living with us during all of that and kind of like shepherding us through that process the best they really could with like seven kids under the same roof. Oh my gosh, yes. Like traumatized and confused, so. Right. Ugh. Okay, so then he passed away in September. Mm -hmm. My mom was in a coma because of her brain injury. It was pretty serious. And so they had even told us in the hospital, she's going to be a vegetable for the rest of her life. And we just need to like wrap our minds around that and kind of look at what that quality of life is for her and for us. And right. Those kind of conversations were all happening and my aunt just like refused to give up. And so she like was trying all these experimental things and calling all these different places. And 
I think it was four months later, my mom opened her eyes, which was awesome. But just in the movies, you see someone wake up from a coma and it's like beautiful. And they're they're okay. And and it's like, oh my gosh. And that was not the case for us at all. It was like very like infantile and like starting over. And brain injuries are really tricky because if something moves even like a millimeter, further than something else. And there's a scar tissue somewhere different. It's a completely different brain injury than it's someone else's. Right. So they can't give you a, they can't tell you this is what she'll be able to do. This is what she won't be able to do. Like, it's just kind of a gamble to see, like, we'll try our best. So yeah, yeah. That was all in that first semester of freshman year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so with her, because she is still alive, Mm -hmm. but like, what's her, what's her state? She is currently living in an assisted living. I mean, no one likes it to say nursing home because that's like makes you feel really bad about it. It kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's in a like a nursing home kind of situation. She's paralyzed basically from the neck down other than like parts of her left hand she can use. But mentally, I kind of describe it as like she's like a fourth or a fifth grader. Like mm-hmm. you can have normal conversation. But there's a lot of like immaturity. This is like an example, like for Mother's Day. This last year I called and I was like, hey, mom, happy Mother's Day. And she was like, thanks. And she was answering all of my questions with like one word answers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, did you have a good day? Yes. Like, good. Well, did you watch any TV? Yes. Okay. Well, what did you watch? Like, I mean, it was just like digging, 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 digging. And then so I didn't know what else to say. So I started talking about myself. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, um, well, my class has been really good this year. We're almost done. And she was like, all right, well, I'm gonna let you go. Yeah, <laughs> like, okay, like, that is so rude. So rude. <laughs> so you just, uh, like little things like that, where yes. that's not your mom at all. Right. right. So what I learned, honestly, was like, I had to grieve my mom. Yeah, just the same that I grieved my dad, because she never was the same person again. Right. And never, like, will be my mom. Right. She'll be someone that I have a relationship with, but I can't have expectations on her to fill a role that she just mentally, physically, emotionally, like none of it. She can't she fill that role at all. So right. Right. So I mean you're freshman in high school, you're grieving your dad's death after several months. Mm -hmm. And then your mom, like at what point do you realize I don't know, like how does I I I just wonder how the grief happens. Because it's not like that she dies like your right. dad does. So is that like over a process of time you realize, okay, I, I haven't grieved her like quote unquote death either as my mom. Right. So like, tell me the process of grief for you since then. So I actually wasn't really that close to my mom. <laughs> um, it was a hard season for us. I think everybody's a hard season with your mom when you're 14. And so it was just a hard time to, for that to happen for our relationship mm-hmm. and ever like get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, like, I'm sorry that I'm a teenager and I'm sorry that I'm unreasonable. And, you know, so that got resolved. And so I just kind of like with my mom, to me, it was like back burner. Like I dealt with my dad's situation significantly more intensely because my dad and I were super, super, super close. So grieving my dad was like getting hit with like a semi truck. Like, Mm. It was intense and it was a lot, but at the same time, there was so much going on to where I didn't have time just to like sit and grieve. You're still having to go to the hospital all the time. You're still 14. So you're like still wanting to be a high schooler and don't really know how to. So that grief process, I feel like was actually a lot more like 
honestly easier because it was like, it kind of just happened. Like I felt a lot of closure in that grief process and because he was actually dead. Like as weird as that sounds like, no, no, yeah, it's a completely different situation from my mom. And so I think I started to realize like I hadn't grieved the situation with my mom, honestly, when I was in college. So that took a long time for me to even understand that that needed to be grieved. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not the same person and it never will be. Like, I just remember sobbing Mm -hmm. and and I remember saying to the Lord, like in praying one night, like, I need a mom. Like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't even like, I, I had to grieve her as a person. And then I also had to grieve having a mother, like Mm -hmm. all of these things that it comes in waves and you don't realize like, you know what, I wish I had someone to call right now. Or I wish I had, you know, I wish I had a relationship where I knew what to do in this, but I don't even know what to do next. And I don't know who I should call. And I don't know what the next step is. And each one of those things that has come up over time has created another grief process. And so honestly, even now, like expecting a child, it's like, here we go again. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. Like I can feel the next stage of this grief process, um, like taking place in my heart again. Like even just a little. Um, it happened with my wedding too. So it's like it's just yeah. those same kind of feelings. Like who's going to come stay with me after my baby's born? Someone asked me that the other day, and it was like, you know what? I don't know. Yeah, like yeah. that feeling of like, I haven't asked anybody, but like, I don't really feel like I should have to ask anybody. Right. You know, So it's like this tension of like, I just don't know how to handle this. And I don't know the best way. And then that's brought up a lot of like, just brokenness in my heart that has had to be like healed by the Lord and not even healed, just kind of like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, like right. the, it, it doesn't get healed. Like it's fixed. It's yeah, just it's not a solution. It's just yeah like I understand that that sucks kind of thing but there's not a fixing to it and so it's just been interesting kind of like as life has progressed how it never stops Mm. like I don't understand that and it's so annoying yes does want to be a place in my life where I'm like you know what that's not who I am I moved on I'm different I'm a new person but it's like this is just a part of my story and it will forever be a part of my story yeah and it's going to be something that I'm just wrestling with until until I'm in heaven I guess right yeah that is something about grief that I wouldn't have expected either like when it hits it can be so random but it's like just as strong as it was you know right however long ago. And it's a lot less about like grieving a person than it is. Like you have so many things to be grieved, like expectations Mm -hmm. and hopes and dreams. And this is how I viewed motherhood to look like. And this is, you know, all of these things, those all have to be grieved like righteously in their own time. And it sucks because you feel like you grieve a person and then it's over. But a lot of that is not even the actual person. It's the side parts of that. What would be different if right. you had a mom or whatever, dad? Mm-hmm. Um, so how was seeing God? I mean, did you have a trouble seeing him as good or did it make you run yeah. to him as father? What was that like? It was super interesting um, because my sister was a senior in high school. So she went off to college. My brother was, I think, in 
third or fourth grade, just still a baby. And so he actually had a really hard time with my aunt and uncle because my uncle was nothing like my dad at all. Um, cause this is my mom's sister's husband. Mm-hmm. So, but my dad had two brothers. And so everybody was like, Hey, it would be better for them to live here. And it would be better for this. And it, we lived with different people. Like I lived with a friend for a semester in high school and like everything that we had known was backwards. Mm-hmm. So even like my normal church structure where it's like, maybe I should like pull out my Bible, but it's like, well, I don't know. Like, yeah, I just didn't know yeah. how to do, like, I didn't know how to wrestle with that. And so anyways, later in high school, I started getting mentored and that kind of just like changed everything for me. It was just like our youth pastor's wife, but she would just like ask me to come over and sit on her couch and we would just talk through life and hard things. And she really helped me to like, look back and see the Lord in every season of I feel abandoned and I feel alone and I feel like I want to take care of this myself and all those different seasons. But honestly, I didn't really experience the goodness of the Lord until college because I just needed to get away. Like I needed to be out of it before I could really look back and see God's goodness. And this is actually like a super crazy story. I'm going to keep it short, but I was on a mission trip in college and I met this person. It was a very random way of meeting him too. We were like doing ministry in this apartment building and I felt like we were supposed to go to his door. And so we did. And he invited us in, which was super random and then asked, and we were like, is there anything we can be praying for you about? And he literally like laid out my parents' story but it was a situation he was in. So his, it was like his brother and his brother's wife had been in a motorcycle accident and they had three kids and they didn't know what they were going to do with the kids. And it was like, what is happening right now? Like so much to where they like from Abilene were care flighted to the exact same hospital in Dallas, like just little things where you're like, wow, like this, this is really interesting. And it was honestly that story that kind of just shifted things in my heart to like, you know what? He is really good. He has a plan for everything, and I have no idea what it is from this side, but I know that someday I'm going to look back and see His goodness and His faithfulness to me if I really just like jump in wholeheartedly. And it was like, it was there that I kind of was like, all right, I'm in. And then I haven't really looked back since. So, wow. When you say you're like, all right, I'm in, just like, okay, I trust you, God. Yeah, like, I'm not going to walk the line of like, is this real? Is this not? Like, I don't know. Is Should I trust him? Is he good? Is it like all of those like fleeting feelings in my heart that I had been wrestling with for honestly, at that point, almost 10 years. <laughs> like, I was just tired of it. And I felt like he used that story from that man to really solidify that, you know what? I'm for you. Yeah, and like, I see you. Yeah. yeah. I will literally put you in the pathway of someone to show you. I can use your story. Like your story can minister to other people and it's not dead. And it's it's going to come to fulfillment, even though it won't be fixed yes. the way you think it should be. It will be good. Mm-hmm. And that was just enough for me to really believe it because it was so personal. Like it was yeah. literally my story through someone else where he's like, yeah, we just need you to pray because we're really torn up about what to do with these kids and we don't want to make a mistake. And it's like, holy crap, yeah. that's that's me. That child was me. And yeah. so it was awesome. Ugh. I'm like, <laughs> tears over here. I know. 
It was a good day in that apartment complex. Yes. And it's crazy because that mission trip was in Abilene, Texas. Like we didn't even leave our own town. Right. (laughs) It's like, it wasn't like we had to fly to Nigeria to have an experience like that. And I think that was what was so beautiful about it too. It's like, he can use my story today, right now with the people that I can encounter every day at Walmart or in an apartment or in my church or in my classroom or in it. I've just seen that truthfully come to pass a million times since then because I really bought in to like, all right, he can use this. Let's do it. Okay. So in just a minute, we'll hear the crazy story of how Natalie met her husband. But first, I want to ask you to do me a quick favor. Will you rate and review this show on iTunes if you haven't already? It works like social media algorithms and that the more ratings and reviews we have, the more Headed Someplace will come up as a recommended show for other listeners, which means that more people get to hear these incredible women's stories and hopefully feel less alone. And then the last thing is come find me on Instagram and let me know that you're listening to the show. It is at Kara Don Z. That's K-A-R-A-D-A-W-N-Z at Kara Don Z. Come and find me. So I do want to fast forward to, <laughs> so after college, you began teaching. I didn't realize you've been teaching for seven years. That's I know. crazy. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> We're old. Like, I, I just remember when you first started. Okay, so you were teaching, you were single for a while while you were mm-hmm. teaching. When did you meet Santi? I met Santi. We've been married a year and a half and we knew each other a year before we got married. So like, yeah, girl, we got things moving, you know, we don't have time for that. That's right. (laughs) Dating thing. Okay. So how, yeah. How old were you when you met, Um, when you guys started dating? I think I was 27. And didn't you have, okay, wait, go ahead. Well, that just doesn't sound that old to people, but it's funny because like in Abilene, either you're married at 22 or people are like, is everything okay? You know, <laughs> Surely you've been engaged a couple times. Yeah, like, do we, what should we do? Do we need to move you? Do we need to figure out a new life plan? It's like, whoa. So, yeah, it's true though, because everybody gets married so young. Yes. So it felt like you were single for forever. Yes. Everybody would just genuinely felt like I was like falling to pieces, and I kind of was. But didn't you have like students that would be like? Why aren't you married yet? You need me to help you find a boyfriend? One of my students one time asked me, she said, since you're not married yet, I can ask my mama if maybe you can have one of her old boyfriends. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know what? Don't do that. (laughs) I don't want your mom's leftovers. Well, and we taught, like I taught the MRS and like MS. And I remember one of my kids said one time, someday God will give you an R. Oh, like in your name. It was like, ouch. Like, just you know what? Why don't you just pray that quietly? <laughs> what so, did you what did you learn from teaching? And then go and then we'll go into how you met Santi. Honestly, I just think I realized like the desperate need of every human right in front of our face. Like you just, you run with your crowd and you know your same people and you do your same thing, but you don't realize every human soul is like desperate to be known and loved and acknowledged and encouraged and empowered. And I think that was the, I worked in this super low income school at two different schools, but same situation both times. And it was really, really difficult to realize like they are so needy 
but so am I. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. as broken as they are. And I'm just as all the needs that they're crying out mm-hmm. for, I am too. So yeah, it was just like a very, very um, humbling experience because you want to be like, well, I have my stuff together and y'all need to figure it out. But really, it was the exact opposite. It was like, mm. I'm just as six year old in my heart. And yours just comes across really offensive to me because you haven't learned how to cover it up yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like your need for attention is bothering me because it is hitting my need for attention or my need for affection or whatever. Oh, yeah. Just- Okay, sorry. That's my bad. Don't tell your mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell your mom. Um, okay, so tell us how you met Santi. Um, so this is a this is a really fun story. We actually it's Abilene, so it's not that big, but we were in the same circle forever and never knew each other. Somehow, like same church, like we had a ton of mutual friends, even like Santi will like bring up his Facebook, like, look, you liked this picture I was in like, oh, wow. seven years ago. And it's like, and I never knew who he was specifically. And so, so funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah. But, um, One of my friends was actually moving to Israel and we had coffee before she left and we had not talked in probably like two years. Rude, but (laughs) it was like one of those coffees I know where you're like, I am so sorry. Now that you're moving away, let's hang out. Like, (laughs) Gotta get it in. So we had coffee and she was like, and we weren't super close, but we threw out coffee at the end. She was like, Hey, do you happen to know who Santi Urita is? And I was like, I don't. And he was, he was on stage in a skit at her church, like at Beltway once. And she was like, I feel like in my heart, like that I literally heard from the Lord, maybe like she, you could tell she was super awkward to even <laughs> say that because it's like, this could be really bad. <laughs> yeah. Try it anyways. Yeah. So she was like, I feel like maybe you need to know him. And I was like, well, that's weird. Like, I don't know who that is. And, but honestly, when you've been single for a while, you just kind of blow things like that off because everybody's like, Hey, I have a nephew and I really feel good about, you know, yeah, everybody everybody knows who your next, who your spouse is going to (laughs) be. And you just nod your head and you're like, Oh, we'll see, you know, kind of like, well, actually that weekend, um, I was on a panel for the college ministry and there were like all these married couples on stage. It was like how to follow Jesus after you graduate. And it was all these married couples and me and Santi. <laughs> that was it. No way. Yes. And I had never met him before until that day. I mean, we just like shook hands and we're like, hi, how are you? But didn't interact. And But you did know that this was who your friend had told you about. Yes. Okay. So I was like somewhere tucked in the very, very back of my head. But it was like. I'm ignoring it. Right. Intentionally, like, no, I just can't because I can't go there. Yeah. So we didn't talk other than that. And it's funny now he says, all I remember about you is that you were really bossy because (laughs) (laughs) your mic stopped working and you snatched the mic out of my hand. And I was like, I would never do that. (laughs) Like, I mean, just these stories where it was crazy because it was like the Lord, honestly, just being like, it's not the time. Like each of us moved on and didn't think anything of it until a few months later, we both went on as chaperones with the same college ministry, like on their mission trip to Dallas. Um, Didn't speak again (laughs) the whole trip. I don't know how that keeps happening. But afterwards, we got home and he told one of his roommates, he was like, hey, there's this girl that I noticed on the mission trip. And I want to ask her to go to coffee with me, but I'm scared because she's older than me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so he was like, I want to tell you that the next time I see her, I'm going to ask her out. And he was like, okay. And he made him shake on it. Like, deal. <laughs> you got to do it. And then he left the uh, house and went to a coffee shop where I was actually sitting. Oh <laughs> like that, We had never run into each other in our lives before. And until I that chills. I know it was so fun. And he walked in and of course I didn't know anything about that conversation. So it was just like, Hey, what's up? Like, yeah, right. Working, like pull my earbud out just to like acknowledge your presence, but then stick it right back in. Yeah. And we talked for a second and then he went and talked to somebody else and I was leaving and he chased me outside and was like, Hey, I, uh, you could hear it in his voice. He was so nervous. He was like, I, I think I would like to take you to coffee sometime. And it was like, why? I, remember, like, I didn't put all of the things together until that moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this is the person Katie told me about. Like right. it all came like full circle. And it was just crazy. Like that just started a long process of trusting Jesus and like letting things go and just acknowledging like, you know better than I do. And so I'm just going to trust you. I had honestly sat with my mentor in her living room and she was like, do you feel like there's anything that you need to let go of before the Lord is going to bring your husband to you? And it was like, no, I think, I think I've let go of everything other than he loves Jesus. Like it's not my fault. Like that kind of, <laughs> yeah. I'm good. It's, it's somebody else. Like someone else is messing this up. Right. And I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe the only thing that I have left is that he loves Jesus wholeheartedly and that he's older than me. Because I could not respect a guy who's younger than me. I couldn't. I know I couldn't. <laughs> and she's like, okay. Just kind of like listening to me. Like, you can tell. Now Now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, God. Like, you just, <laughs> you just nod your head. And you're like, okay, like, we'll see. Like, yeah, yeah. But in your heart, you're like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> that's stupid. So <laughs> it was funny because he literally was four years younger than me. Here we go. A cougar. But I did not know that at the time because I was too afraid to ask how far it was. <laughs> I was like, I know he's younger, but I don't want to know how much. So I'm just going to tell myself a couple days. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, it wasn't a couple days. <laughs> but um, it was awesome. Just And then there were so many different like little stories within that of just the Lord confirming like this is this was worth like the waiting and the like getting tossed around by, hey, you should date this person and you should date this person. And just that feeling of like, I know I'm not forgotten and I know I'm not left behind. But like, how do I actually believe that when all of my circumstances are proving like I am the bridesmaid in every wedding? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I had been in so many weddings, I'd thrown every shower under the book. And it was like, I'm just ready for a chance and for a turn. And it was like, oh, you knew what you were doing after all. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I remember a post that you wrote um, where you had a picture of you sitting. I think it was by a a lake. Uh I think it was, was it right before you got married? Yeah, it was the morning of my wedding. I had like gotten up extra early that morning to like spend time with Jesus by myself. But I always go to the same place, this disgusting lake in Abilene, but it's like (laughs) become my spot now. I don't care that there's like cracked beer bottles there anymore. (laughs) Um, but I got up and went there that morning and I just sat there and I just felt like the Lord was like, it's making me cry thinking about it. But just that, like, as a parent looking back and being like, if you could have only seen Mm -hmm. like all of those seasons and all of those stages, like where you were like, 
you've forgotten me and you don't care about me and you don't remember me. And it's like, I do mm-hmm. like you just can't see it yet. And I swear, like, if you'll just hang on, if you'll just hang on, like mm-hmm. that same feeling, um, that I know that the Lord was so patient with me where I was like, I have been so patient. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I have earned this, you know, like that kind of like, that's your initial response. But really, it was like, he has been so patient with me just to know, like, it's better than you could have imagined. Mm -hmm. Like, and even all the things that I didn't even know that I wanted or needed in a spouse, he had like already done. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was laying things down as I was like dating other people or like, you know what? I like, maybe he doesn't need to care about missions. Like maybe as long as he goes to church, it's fine. And he'll fall in love with Jesus later. I mean, even things like that, where you're like, what on earth was I doing? Yes. Just looking back on all of that now, it's like, dang. Yeah. He knew for me to even feel for a moment that my way would have been better is terrifying. Yeah. So yeah, if he would have, if he would have let you have your way, I always think about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I be yeah. harder, Lord. Like that's like, that's my new prayer is like, don't even make me feel like what I'm thinking is okay. Next did you say, time. did you say fight me harder? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, uh, don't, don't give me an inch, please, Lord. Like, yeah. I just feel like he's so kind to me when I'm pushing back on things, but when it really comes around, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're still, I mean, you guys are still pretty fresh out of the gate of being married. A year and a half, you said? Yeah. Okay. So what was like the most unexpected joy of marriage and the most unexpected hard thing so far in marriage? Um, I'm going to start with a hard thing. That's always easier for me. <laughs> um, I think the hard thing for me was just my own, I know everybody says this, like your own depravity, but it's like, geez, it's yucky in there. Like I have a lot of selfishness and I have a lot of things that Kara on our honeymoon. I literally use the phrase, you're not the man that I married. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, I was thinking like, what is the worst thing I could possibly say in this moment? And then I said it. (laughs) And we had been married for like three days. (laughs) I, I mean, I hit the ground running, like discovering my own mess. Yeah. But I think that's been a really hard part. Like just knowing that your sin affects other people mm-hmm. and that it's not about like dealing with your sin to deal with your sin. It's not <laughs> dealing with your sin because sin is literally ruining everything. And if you don't, then it's going to like overtake your life. And so we, I think just learning that together has been really hard in a good way, but it's been ugly, like beautiful all the time. And then the best part of marriage, um, this is so weird, but just living life together with somebody that you're running the same race. Mm -hmm. There's always someone right beside you. That's like keeping pace with you and like figuring things out. And even things like, I'm like terrified of having a child, but (laughs) <laughs> At least I don't have to do it by myself. That's like, right. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing either. That's so. right. There is something so comforting about that. Yes, it's awesome. So there's a lot of other things, but. Right. Those are some highlights. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So tell me, you said you had a story about listening to this podcast that you want to share. Yes. This is so crazy. I love this story. So I don't remember exactly 
who it was, but it was one of your guests who was a single mom or who got pregnant before she was just... Was it Sarah Sarah Hall? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she got pregnant and had like kind of turned her life around a little bit, but was like, I know I don't want to send my kid to daycare, but I don't know, like, how do you like, so she just kind of started praying that the Lord would give her a job where she could take her kid to work with her. And I remember I was getting ready in my bathroom and I listened to that and I, I knew as a teacher, like I could not teach and have a child and do it well. Like a lot of people can, but I just knew that I couldn't. Like yeah. I will go too hard in one arena and drop the ball in the other one. Like yeah. I can't, I can't do both well. And so she said that, and I had actually been struggling with the Lord for this for for a long time. So like my husband being in ministry, it was like I knew we had signed ourselves up for like a life of double income. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna need to make some money. <laughs> yeah, like we're screwed. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, I knew it was going to be something like, and I, I mean, I wrestled hard with it to the point of like, I had a dream one night. It was actually a picture of my dad paying for everyone else's ice cream, except for mine at this ice cream shop. And I was like, woke up so angry about it and was like, that's so rude. Like how can, and I started a process and it was like, I feel that way about the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like he'll take care of everybody else except for me. And so anyway, she said that in the podcast and said, I just started praying for a job that I could take my child to work with me. And I was like, that doesn't even exist. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what job could you ever do in the world where you could take a baby with, you know, it's like right. that, that was out of my realm. And so I literally just said out loud, Lord, if you can do it for her, will you do it for me? Mm. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's a thing, but if it is, <laughs> then maybe you could. And so anyways, I, I wasn't pregnant at the time. I don't even think, but I think I was scared to get pregnant because I didn't want to have to keep working. Well, then I got pregnant. Accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that happens. <laughs> yeah. <oops>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Santi and I just really talked and prayed about it. And I was like, I feel like I'm just supposed to quit my job. And like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And he was like, okay, I feel like we, if we just trust the Lord, he'll make a way. And so I quit my job with no plan Mm -hmm. and honestly had forgotten that I had even prayed that prayer after listening to the podcast. A few months later, someone from our church calls and is like, Hey, like this is months of like crap. (laughs) Like I quit my job. Why did I do that? (laughs) I I don't actually want to go back, but I, I mean, we're in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) But I also can't, you can't like get a new job six months pregnant. Like nobody's going to be like, you know what? I want to hire you. (laughs) But the family pastor at our church, him and his family were moving to Africa for missions for a few years. And he was like, hey, we're going to split my job up into some different jobs. And we've been praying about it. And we feel like we want to give you the elementary job, which is exactly what I was doing beforehand in the classroom, essentially. We want to give you the part-time elementary job, but you can just bring your baby to work with you. (sighs) And it was like, me? What, what do you mean I can bring my, what? <laughs> and then in that moment, that prayer that I had prayed in the bathroom was like, okay, like this is why we tell our stories. And this is why we, you know, like if he can do it for you, he can do it for me. He's That's the same right. God he is for you. So, and it was just awesome that it literally, the exact thing that I had prayed came 
Yes. I love that so much. It was awesome. I love how he's continually like bothering you, you know, in yes. a very personal way, like saying, yes. hey, I see you, you know? Yes. Like specifically you, not just like, I see all my people. children. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what I had believed. Like, honestly, like yeah, my whole true. life, it's like, yeah, he loves us. He, God loves us. But it's like, do I really truly believe like specifically Natalie? He loves me and he loves the story of my life and the things that he's placed in front of me. Like, and he's going to make a way for his name to be known through me one way or another. So, oh, I love that so much. And I, it's really actually encouraging me right now because I'm thinking, yeah, I a lot of times believe these not vague truths about God, but broad truths about God. And so, It really actually does keep me from praying things that, like, I'm always giving God, like, an out. Like, well, but if you don't want to do that, right. you know, it's like, yeah. he doesn't really need that out. Right. Right. He can be good if he does or if he doesn't. But I think I I let that keep me from praying things that I desire because I'm like, well, he knows what's good and what's best. But then maybe I miss out on him being right. really personal with me because I'm too right. afraid that he's not going to follow through. I know. And I think my prayers aren't like pretty like, Lord, will you please give me this because I need it's like, well, if you can do that for her. Yeah. That kind of like, it's just a conversation more like, right. And if he lets me down, he lets me down, you know, that kind of, but he, I know he's really not going to let me down, but it's that same tone of like, I don't really know what this would look like, but I'm willing to try. Yeah, that's right. And I love that you say that's the power in like us telling our stories. And that wasn't even an important part of her story right. at all. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that wasn't the point of what she was saying at all. It right. was just one of those like offhand off, yeah. side of her sentence that it was like, that's actually like speaking to the deepest place in my heart right now because yeah. I don't believe that the Lord will come through for me like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, so the last question I ask every guest is, if you could go back in time five or 10 years and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? I think that for me would just be to like let go of my grasp on things. Like my fist was, maybe still is, so tight around things, um, of things that I'm not willing to let go of. And that orphaned heart that I had because of my childhood experiences made me feel so desperate to take care of myself that I was like, I can lay down, I can give these things to the Lord, but not these. And they were tight. I mean, like tight in the palm of my hand. And I feel like he worked and worked and worked on those things. And those were things that it was like a slow, like prying of my fingers Mm -hmm. open. Mm -hmm. But I just wish I could have told myself, just let go. The things that you think that your life has to look like, or the things that you feel like you have to provide for yourself or all those different stages and seasons of life where my hand was so tightly grasped around things that didn't essentially matter. I just wish I could have told myself to just like open my hand a little bit and just give it a shot. Maybe he will come through for you and maybe it won't look anything like you thought it would look, but you will know him Mm. after it. So that was what I wish I could have told myself. Love it. Yeah. And even thinking about the people from church calling and saying, we want to give you this job. And uh-huh. I mean, who knows, but like, if you had, if you hadn't quit your job, maybe no one would know you even were wanting that job. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah, so that's pretty cool too. Yes. There were, so, there have been so many things in my life. I think because it's like, you just kind of throw your hands up and you're like, okay, let's just try it. Let's yeah. just see like that. He has had an opportunity to show his goodness to me, but had I not, it's like, I'm not saying 
look at all the things I missed because I didn't, sure. but maybe like, sure. yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. like maybe I did miss some good things because my hand was so tightly like, no, I can't because I have to take care of myself. Yeah. All those feelings of like panic and pressure that I so tightly grasped my hand around that the second I opened my hand and gave him a shot, he was really good to me. Everything we talk about today is up on headedsomeplace.com and you'll get to see some extra Q&A with Natalie as well as photos from her life, her sweet parents, how to connect with her on social media, etc. So be sure to check out headedsomeplace.com. You can also now support this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash headed someplace. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash headed someplace. Special thanks today for music from the lightparademusic.com and Frontline Music produced by Dustin Ragland. Thank you for listening, and I hope today you feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged.